Hello, world, ladies of nerditude. Again, my name is Jill. And I'm Francine. And this week we're going to talk about Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Yes, a wonderful little book. Well, it's not really little, but it's wonderful. Not really little. (laughs) It is wonderful. Um, Before we start talking about that, Jill went to Salt Lake City Comic Con, the fan experience. True story. Last week. Yeah. And how did it go? What did you do? What did you see? It was wonderful, first of all. Salt Lake is a very pretty city. Cool. Very clean. Only been to the airport. Um, It's nice. You should leave the airport next time. I should. (laughs) Really good food. Big mountains. Nice. Yeah. Um, I went to, yeah, Fan X 17, and I got to see James Roday and Dulé Hill from Psych. So cool. I got to see Carrie Elwes from The Princess Bride, as well as uh, Wallace Shawn Mm -hmm. from The Princess Bride, Vizzini. Cool. And I went to a panel by... Marv Wolfman, the creator of Deathstroke, mm. and he talked about building characters and writing, which cool. is awesome because I love writing and books and all the good stuff with the words. All the and, stuff with the words. And I went to another panel with some other writers. Um, I don't remember the name. Well, actually, I wrote it down in my little notepad here. Sh- mm, I'm probably going to say this wrong. I think it's Cherie Alsop. Mm. Uh, J.P. Roth, Jennifer Nielsen, Trisha Levenseller. Um, they were really interesting to listen to. They'd all been published, and like some of them had written one book, and others had written like thirty books. Oh my gosh! And I was like, wow. I don't even. How do you do that? I, <laughs> yeah. How are you that prolific? Um, I saw some really great cosplay. Nice. And I saw like seven spider people. Spider Having, people. There was yeah, there were spider Gwens and spider men uh. and spider ladies. They were all hanging out having sandwiches outside. There That's was a guy hilarious. dressed as Deadpool selling chimichangas outside. Nice. He was wearing like a poncho and a sombrero. It made me really happy. There was a guy dressed as Bumblebee from mm-hmm. Transformers. That was the most elaborate costume I've ever seen. It was amazing. Did he really turn into like a little car? Yeah, he like, could, could he kneel he could down. Like, and- he could like transform a little bit. Huh. Uh, it was really neat. And then they had the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones. You could pose for a picture in that. <laughs> cool. They had a TARDIS outside. I like that. They had like all the fandoms covered. Mm-hmm. And I also went to a recording of Things You Missed in History Class, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm. I went to that. And I had a fucking wonderful time. But the best part was we had our first encounter with people who actually like our podcast. Oh, yay. Um, I got to meet two really great authors named Ben Ireland and Candice J. Thompson. Cool. And uh, I got some of their books. Or excuse me, Candice J. Thomas. I don't know why I keep saying that. Um, sorry, Candice, if you're listening to this. But Candice J. Thomas. You'll get there. Um, it's okay. I, it's been a long week, man. <laughs> We're both moving. Brain's not working. Yes. Um, I haven't had all my coffee today. But anyway, I got to meet them. I picked up some of their books. I'm really excited to read them. Um, and then hopefully we'll be able to, I'll be able to lend them to you. Yes. And then we can talk about them on here a little yeah. bit. Um, but Candace's book is about uh, magic and all I know a lot, all I really know about Ben's book is that there's a spider with a sword. Oh, and it's kind of well. like a Percy Jackson situation. <laughs> cool. So I was like, there's a spider with a sword. Give me this book. Yeah. So down. <laughs> I have so many questions about how the spider holds the sword, but <laughs> it's anyway. many, many feet. Yeah. I don't, 
I'll find out and I'll get back to you. And then you can read it and yes. it'll be great. But uh, they were very nice, wonderful people and I'm very excited to read their books. Yay. So. Cool. Coming soon. Successful con. Yeah. I it like was it. great. And the next one you get to come to as well. Yay. Yes. We will both be at Silicon Valley Comic Con next month. April 21st through the 23rd, mm -hmm. I believe. Oh my gosh, it's coming up so soon. Maybe by then I'll have my head screwed back on <laughs> straight. Ditto. We'll both have moved Jeez. by then. We'll be good. It'll be a nice vacation. Yeah, you'll be done painting. <laughs> I'll be done unboxing everything, trying to find the book that we're talking about today. I lost my copy and I had to download it on Kindle because I couldn't find my book after I made all the little post-it notes. Oh, I was so mad. I had notes. It was color-coded and stuff. It's in a box somewhere in the garage. I don't know. We're anyway. very multimedia this week. We are. All We're everywhere. Of, all kinds of things. Yeah, totally. Um, so this book is by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. I've never read any Terry Pratchett books. Have you? I read one of the Discworld books, and it was a situation where I felt overwhelmed by the scope of the world that they create. It's like very fantasy oriented. There's a whole different like universe. And okay. it was a lot of information. And it I never read any of the other ones after okay. I read and it's the like, one. Like eight or nine books, isn't it? Yeah. I don't even know how many okay. exactly it is, but it was quite a few. And I was like, this is a lot. So I kind of stopped after that one. But um parts of this did feel like him a lot. Okay. Um, particularly the characterization of death was like pretty much, he could have been a crossover between okay. this world and this book. Um, maybe he was, maybe he was, he is eternal. Um, but the, the characterization is very similar. Um, what I liked though, is like having read other Neil Gaiman and having a little bit of experience mm -hmm. with Terry Pratchett, you can't necessarily pinpoint where they're two different authors. Like you can't say, oh, yeah. this is clearly Neil Gaiman. This is clearly Terry Pratchett. They wrote so seamlessly that it feels like one person. I could I could see that. I would say because I've read a few Neil Gaiman books, I feel like there were parts of it that jumped out at me and said, Neil Gaiman wrote this. So, but overall, I mean, but that was only because I was looking for it. Sure. If I was just reading it, I'd be like, oh, I don't know who these guys are. I probably wouldn't have picked up on mm -hmm. it because um, Neil Gaiman also inserts some rando humor into his books, which I love. I love it, though. It's so funny. It's so British. It mm. is. It's very British. So if you're a fan of British, like, humor, like, snappy, snarky British humor. Like, British dark humor. Yeah. I think you'll really like this book if you haven't read it. If you have not read this book. You should. You should. A. B. Stop now, because there will be spoilers oh, ahead. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be so many spoilers. Because, yeah, we're going to talk about this book. You know who else I think would actually really like these books? Who? You watch Supernatural. Yes. I know that we say that we love Supernatural, obviously, but, like, <laughs> because it's such a similar theme. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you like Supernatural, you'll like this book. Yeah. It's apocalyptic. It's very, like, tongue-in-cheek apocalypse because There's a guy named Crowley. There is a guy named Crowley. There's <laughs> angels. There's demons. Horsemen. The Antichrist. Horsemen. Horse people. Excuse me. It's got... <laughs> yes, horse people. It's got all of your biblical book of Revelation type stuff, like all your big characters and things. Yeah. The only people I think who might not like this are like super religious people. Yeah. I think it's a little pokey funny at 
religion. Mm-hmm. So maybe steer clear if you're very spiritual, yeah. like in a Christian sense, mm-hmm. because they're they're gonna mess with your your uh, dogma yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So where do we want to start with this? Well, I think it's kind of interesting. Okay, there's a lot of different levels that this book operates on for mm-hmm. me. Like there's the main story of uh, the angel and the demon, you know, trying to avert the apocalypse. And like, well, they start out trying to find the child. The Antichrist. Yes. Yeah. And so that's like one through story. You know, you get like that story mm-hmm. of their search for and then the way that they react once they realize what's going on. And then on this whole other plane you get like the actual story of the apocalypse and like the other people that are involved in it. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of cool. Then you get that story of the prophetess and like her family and her witch hunter and all of that. So there's like that going on in the other corner. And then there's also the story of the antichrist kid himself and like his friends and his life and his family. So it's like, there's so many different stories going on at the same time. And yet they all feel like they tie together. Pretty seamlessly. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. Who was your favorite character? The dog. The dog. (laughs) That's a good call. (laughs) The dog was just hilarious. I love that. The dog, not hellhound. Yeah. (laughs) I love that sometimes, like the way they talk about the dog, it's like he's his whole own character with like a human-like mind. Mm-hmm. He has opinions, he has reactions, he has feelings, he's very snarky. I love that. Yeah. I love how he's introduced. He's like, I want to be this big, giant, evil, like hellhound dog. And then the kid imagines him as this like little <laughs> cutesy dog. And he's like, okay, that's <laughs> that's what I am. It's my job. <laughs> yeah, because his... The Antichrist kid, his will is what becomes. And so when hell gives him a hellhound for his 11th birthday, (laughs) it is going to morph into whatever dog he wants, depending on what his name is. And Mm -hmm. he names it Dog. (laughs) And it turns into like this little like, I imagine like a Yorkie. Yeah, like a little fluffy. (laughs) Or like a Scotty dog, like a little tiny fluffy thing. And and it's like this hellhound that's like kind of pissed that it's small. (laughs) I just, so. the dog was hilarious. It gave me endless joy of how funny it is and how funny their relationship is mm-hmm. because he's literally there to serve the kid. Yeah, whatever he wants. So he knows that's his job and he knows he got like a little bit of the short end of the stick because he doesn't really have free will. But he's like, this is my job. This is what I'm here to do. So I'm just going to do it. And I, I just, he entertained me. That's good. Endlessly. I loved the dog. What was your favorite character? Who was your favorite character? I see. I liked basically all of them. They were all very yeah. interesting, but I liked Anathema. Yeah, I mean that's a. I mean she was really cool. Yeah, she, she was a badass. Yeah, she was just like psychic and <laughs> and she was the. I don't even know how many great 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 mm-hmm. whatever. She's the descendant of Agnes Nutter which I also got a giggle out of her name was Nutter, but um, so that's the British term for crazy people. But anyway, so she's a descendant of Agnes Nutter and Anathema is like, so like 
yeah, so Armageddon is coming. And she's just like <laughs> she totally just cool about it. She knows. And she's, she's sure. She's like, yeah. And then when Newt Pulsifer shows up and she's like, oh, you must be the guy that's supposed to have a car accident in front of my house. And she's just like totally. Yeah. I don't know. She was just awesome. I really like her. And that's an interesting name, Anathema. So. Yeah, she was I, she was a great character. Mm-hmm. She's very cool because she's very modern in a lot of ways. Yeah. And yet she's this kind of spin on like the the old lady who lives by herself and mm-hmm. is like kind of strange or that like single woman that's like kind of spinstery and a little yeah. bit weird and you're you know you're kind of like oh she's the weird one in town yeah. and yet she knows everything i thought it was funny <laughs> that she sleeps with newt she does and he's the one who gets all like clingy <laughs> and she's like no that's over now and she's just like moving on <laughs> Well, it was the end of the world, you know? Well, yeah. And she, but I mean, like, she's like, no, the, the prophet said that we only do it one time. So, and she just totally yeah. has, I just thought it was interesting that they kind of flipped that cliche mm-hmm. on its head. Cause like, oh, the girl's going to get all clingy now. She's like telling him to like, okay, would you just go take a shower <laughs> and like, it's fine. I'll make breakfast. It's yeah. Cool, whatever. whatever. <laughs> we got to go save the world now. Like, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. And he's very like haphazard and kind of a disaster (laughs) like very emotional and very nervous yeah but but yet he's he's uh like he's he's faithful he like knows he thinks he knows Mm -hmm. what he's supposed to do and where he's supposed to be so he has that almost like night of the crusade kind of feel to him yeah this is my duty it's sacred i know what i'm supposed to do and yet he gets thrown for a boop and a half when he's in way over his head oh yeah and she kind of saves him in a lot of ways which is which is cool oh, yeah i liked that so that's a good choice mm-hmm. but i also did like aziraphale and crowley so. they're hilarious much like two other <laughs> celestial beings yeah. that we know of but yeah i just thought it was kind of funny because i also the whole time that crowley was wearing his sunglasses I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, is he just wearing them at night because he thinks it's cool? And then it was like, oh, you find out much later in the book that if he takes them off, he has like snake eyes. And it was like, oh, put those back on. Yeah. Yeah. The little touches of snake about him, which if you didn't catch it in the book, he was the original snake in the Garden of Eden. That was like his job, I guess. Yeah. When they called him Crawley. And he was like, this name is stupid. I'm changing it. And then he has, so he has like the eyes. He keeps the eyes because mm-hmm. he takes on this human form when he's assigned to Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes on human form, but he still has snaky eyes. He still kind of says his S's like a snake. And I love the part where they say he has snakeskin boots, we think. Yeah. Like we think that's what they are. <laughs> yeah. But maybe his feet are just really scaly. Yeah. So I think that's fun that they like humanized these really big characters mm-hmm. from like the Christian mythos, but yet they did it with a twist of humor. Well, yeah. And I liked the very beginning of the book. I like the opening sentence. I was hooked when it was like, it was a very good day. <laughs> and like, <laughs> it was just so good when he's talking about like they're standing in the garden. And it's raining, and they're both like, this isn't going to turn out very well, is it? And Aziraphale is the angel who is, like, nervous and twitchy. He's a little uptight. He's a little... Yeah. mm -hmm. He's a little uptight. He's a little not so fun. Like, he's a little bit of a wet blanket. Yeah. (laughs) He's a book collector. 
And he just, you almost even get the feeling like he doesn't want to be involved. He just wants to be like left alone. He just happens to be an angel Mm -hmm. and he wants good things to happen, but he doesn't want to be in the fight. He lost his fiery sword. Yeah. And I kind of got the feeling like, did he lose it? (laughs) Was he like, I'm going to hide it in this closet? Because he said he gave it to somebody (laughs) and it was just kind of like, who gives away their fiery sword? (laughs) Somebody who doesn't want it. Yeah, so I just kind of got the feeling that he was more like a pacifist, mm-hmm. but he was going to wait it out till the end, and then he was going to swoop in at the end and help out. And, and Crowley, who used to be an angel, mm-hmm. but then he, he was a sauntered down. Fallen, yeah, but probably just sauntered. <laughs> yeah, not so much fallen as sauntered vaguely downward. <laughs> yeah, and I just thought it was funny because like neither Crowley's not really evil Mm-mm. and Aziraphale's not 100% good. Mm-mm. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. It's like they've lived on Earth for so long that they've taken on this like human neutrality almost. Mm-hmm. So they're no longer as opposite as they probably were mm-hmm. at some point in time, like in cosmic history. Really, really good, really, really bad. And now they kind of like literally meet in the middle. Because they'll go to the diner and be like, yeah, "Yeah, doesn't it suck? Our job kind of sucks. You're like, what's your side doing? (laughs) Uh, My side is just, I don't even, it's an ineffable plan. I don't know. I'm just (laughs) hanging out. And I feel like Eric Kripke had to have read this book and taken inspiration for Castiel and Crowley because they're so, that was like who I was picturing like Mm -hmm. most of the book. They're not exact replicas of each other, but. They're very close. They're very, and it's like, like you're saying, the longer they're on Earth, mm-hmm. the more humanity they take on, which is definitely the case on Supernatural. Yeah. And it's definitely that way in the book because, yeah, they don't – one of their deals that they don't want the world to end is they're like, well, that means no more sushi. Yeah, like this is where I keep my stuff. There would be no good music in mm-hmm. heaven because all of the good musicians are going to go to hell. Yeah. And like – It's got a little bit of Spike season two to it as well from yeah. Buffy. Like you can see – I like this world. Yeah, like this is where I keep my stuff. I like – Books in terms mm-hmm. of like um, Azra Azra Fail Oh my gosh, it's the wor- I can't pronounce it to save my life. Um, you could even say he's a little bit obsessed with yeah. books, which is a very human thing, very not an angel thing to have this like. That's something you could probably get in trouble for. Yeah, he has this like want for possessions, and he like keeps that back room of like special books that are his prized possessions. He's taken on a lot of humanity in that sense. Yeah, he's uh, he likes to collect things. He's got those tin snuff boxes, mm-hmm. and he likes to collect things. And Crowley has his car that he's so in love with, and he's like, they don't make these like mm-hmm. that in hell. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they both take – and they like to go have lunch together, and they'll always pick like weird little diners, and it's – I think it's funny. So, I thought it was – How really much clever. they take on – of humanness and mm-hmm. the, when they when they're trying to bicker about whether people are innately good or innately bad <laughs> and they're when they I think it's interesting as well that they don't always try and hide what they are in front of people that's true they they try a little bit but then they get carried away bickering with each other and then they're like oh uh, there's a person here <laughs> and the person's like wait what's wrong with you guys because yeah. when they pick up anathema on the side of the road in the car and she's like and he's like he like Aziraphale fixes her bike mm-hmm. and she doesn't know that he's an angel so he like picks it up and goes oh look not a scratch because Crowley hits her with the car 
And the angel goes out there and is like, oh, look, your bike, not a scratch. And she was like, I didn't have a horn and like all this other <laughs> he stuff like before. He like over fixes <laughs> it. And Crowley is like going to leave her there on the side of the road. And Aziraphale is like, no, you got to give her a ride. And they're just like bickering. And he's like, no. Technically, people- her bike is fine when they fix it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I, I like the little bits where they're arguing about, no, innately good or innately bad. And. Yeah. Or like they have like little things that show what they are like mm-hmm. in that situation of like, oh, I'm going to overfix your bike. And he's like, just leave her on the side of the road, whatever. She's just a human. Yeah. They don't <laughs> they don't matter. But it turns out she's a very big deal in the mm-hmm. story. So it seems like there's a lot that for all of their divineness, good or bad, mm-hmm. they don't know. It's like they yeah. don't always get every memo. There's stuff going on at a higher level than them, presumably. Mm-hmm. And so they're working from like a half no- knowledge of what's going on. Yeah. They don't even know who the freaking Antichrist actually is because of that mix up. Because of that dumb nun. Yeah. <laughs> they go and they make a total mistake and they're following the complete wrong kid. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, again, like I feel like they're very human. They're really fallible. In that way. And they get mad when they realize they're like, we wasted our time. Yeah, when they're, this kid is nobody. Yeah, they're like waiting for the the dog to show up on the 11th birthday. And they're like, like Where, where's the, the dog? Hell? Where the hell is the dog? And Aziraphale's like, you mixed up the kids. And they're like yelling at each other at this kid's birthday party. <laughs> Where Aziraphale is uh, trying and failing to be the magician. <laughs> But it's just kind of like, wait, where's where's the dog? Mm-hmm. And then they they get into this argument. You lost the Antichrist. No, you <laughs> lost him. And meanwhile, they never really had him in the first place. Yes. And so yeah, and then they then they worry like, well, is he innately good or is he innately bad? Mm-hmm. Because that's gonna tilt the war yeah. in one way or in the other. And he's theoretically like he is the smartest person. In the book, especially with the way that he will get there. But like the way that he resolves it in the end and tricks Beelzebub. Genius. The kid's 11. Mm -hmm. He's so friggin' smart. Yeah. So I've got to say, I don't know if that was the divineness in him that made him so clever or if that was just his nature or the way that he was raised. I don't know. It brings up a lot of human nature type questions. It does. And I think that's really interesting. But we'll we'll come back to that. We'll circle yeah. back around. We'll come back to that. <laughs> we'll circle back around. But I, yeah, no, overall, fucking love this book. As in the humor. But I also really liked the horse people. Yes. They were super clever. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> again, a little bit of that sort of how do we take something from the Bible from like Christian mythology and how do we turn it into something that works in the modern time and mm-hmm. in like a modern story? How do we fit these very high concept things into what if the apocalypse happened tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Like it's It's gotta be, they can't stick out so much that you're like, it's literally a person riding a horse that's yeah. bright red and that just seems weird. So like, what do you do? To update them. Well, yeah, because on, on Supernatural, they all drove Mustangs, mm-hmm. which I thought was very clever. Yep. But I think in this book, it's even yeah. a little bit more clever. They all have um, the motorcycles. motorcycles. That was really smart. <laughs> yeah. Like, genius. It was perfect. And I liked the war was a woman. Mm-hmm. And a war correspondent. 
genius. Hi. She had red hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. She had red hair and like reddish eyes too. Like yeah. her eyes were auburn red, like brownish. Um, and they said when she got angry, they seemed to like get redder. Mm-hmm. And it was just the way they describe her is so funny. They're like, yeah, she always happens to be in a place just as war breaks out or maybe even before war breaks out. Yeah. Like, that was genius that it it follows her, not the other way around. Like she's the reporter, but she actually mm-hmm. causes the stories that she then reports. Yeah. On. And she's always toting around like heavy artillery. <laughs> And all these things, and I, mm, I guess we'll get to that part later when they when they start to not be people anymore. Yes, I loved what happened to her. Mm-hmm. So, and I was also particularly taken with pollution. Yeah, it takes over from because pestilence retired <laughs> when they developed penicillin. Yeah, I thought that was that was so clever. That was so clever. And then, and I liked that he always wears all white, mm-hmm. and, but anything he touches like starts to rot mm-hmm. and like. They said he always smells like burning oil. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. To replace pestilence with pollution because that's that's what would the modern plague be? Yeah. It it makes sense. It's they had to change because the times have changed. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that threatens people's health now is not necessarily disease. It's like the crappy stuff that we've done to ourselves. So it's almost yeah. like we gave rise to a new horseman to take over from the old one. Yeah. And that's kind of genius. Yeah. It, but that was really clever. I, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. This is so clever. I love it. Um, and Famine was – I thought that was clever that he was um, a guy who runs, like, American fast food restaurants. <laughs> yeah. And also writes diet books. And, and writes diet books. And it kind of, like, creeped me out because when they talk about – I can't remember what he calls it, but it, the food that he makes and it's just like empty mm-hmm. food. And he's like, the yeah. more you eat, the more you starve. Yep. And I was just like, Oh God, I'm never going to a fast food <laughs> restaurant. ever. I mean, not that I, I don't do that very often anyway, but I was like, I, it also spoke volumes to me when it was mm-hmm. like, he's in America. Yep. He hangs out in America. Cause where else would you go if you wanted people to like eat and eat and eat and mm-hmm. just continually waste away? It was genius yeah. social commentary in that yeah. sense. Subtle, but I did not miss it. Yeah. <laughs> it was there. It was definitely yeah. there. And death was... Death is almost the one that changed the least. I don't think he really changed you at know, all. From like, he just is forever. Mm-hmm. He just is what he is. And oh. he's always been... Hey guys, Misha Collins is live now. <laughs> according to my phone. <laughs> if you're interested, anyway. flip over to that. No. Yeah. Anyway. Um... He just, he's one of those eternal things. He just is what he is. He's almost outside of good and evil and outside yeah, of like, like that whole struggle. He's just like, yeah, this is the what's middle happening. party, yeah. I guess. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Just okay, we're going to do this apocalypse thing. Got it. Check. All right. Let's gear up, guys. Let's, because he's almost the ringleader. He is the ringleader of the horse people for them, too, but in a weird detached way. He's like, yep, this is what's happening. Okay, guys, let's well, get our... I'll have to see. Let me see if I can find it on my Kindle really quick. But I was just rereading the part where war... That's why I missed my post-its. <laughs> um, war is talking about how death has always not been part of the club. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of like there and he doesn't really interact with them or hang out with them. Mm-hmm. Of course, I can't find it. Yeah, I mean, he's just, 
it's another day at the office for him almost. Because he you says, know? or she thinks that he thinks, as this gets more and more confusing, <laughs> she thinks that death thinks that in the end, war will come to an end, famine will come to an mm-hmm. end, and pollution will destroy itself, but there will always be death. Yeah. And even so at he the doesn't end, interact with them. Yeah. Because he's, he, presumably he'll even be there after the apocalypse, after, you know, like he just. Unless someone has a scythe. Unless someone happens to have a scythe. Um, but he is this eternal force. He's almost more cosmic than the rest of them. The rest of them are more tied to the human condition mm-hmm. than he is. And that's probably why they take on human characteristics and then shed them as we get closer to the apocalypse. And he doesn't really change. Right. He's like the dude in charge. He's very level in that way. He's like, nope, I'm in charge. My word goes. And they capture all of them, right, at towards yeah. like the end of the book, uh, which we haven't even talked about the gang yet. So we'll get there. Uh. Um, but even when they get captured his destruction or like his you know end quote unquote isn't even really an ending well he kind of like leaves yeah he's just like peace (laughs) out y'all he's like all right well see you next time like (laughs) yeah yeah, he just you can't capture death but you can capture the other horsemen Mm -hmm. horse people horse people (laughs) um there's a lady yeah there's a lady a scary scary lady she is very scary i mean they're all kind of scary I was very disturbed by uh, famine, too. Mm-hmm. And pollution was just, cre- I don't know, he creeped me out. Something about, like, the Midasness of him, where he's detached from everything because everything that he touches or, like, interacts with gets destroyed. Mm-hmm. I was sort of like, oh, that's so, like, what does that have to do to him as a being that has to live in yeah. this world? I don't know. I feel like it. I, th- I overthought it that point yeah no that that's fair he creeped me out i don't know but war you know uh, she's around and fights break out and people try to like murder each other and stuff so she's got to have a issues of her own well and she goes to that country in africa Mm -hmm. where they've been peaceful for three thousand years or something like that yeah and within three days they're like a war torn it's a war torn (laughs) third world hell hole and like most of the citizens of the country have died, mm-hmm. including the bartender that she was talking to. And it's just what it's kinda, like oh. being a horseman, I guess. Horse person. Horse person. Horse person. Uh, yeah. A- but I, I did like when they were becoming more of their true selves and she had bullets for teeth. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting visual. Yeah. They get very conceptual aside from death as they shed their humanity they turn more into like as the apocalypse approaches mm-hmm. they become more of a personification of the thing that they yeah. are instead of hiding in a person mm-hmm. but it's a modern understanding mm-hmm. of who they are like you would think okay war has been around for how many millennia but she has bullets as a part of herself and you would think like you know famine has been around for how many millennia but he takes on this like gaunt appearance but a modern gaunt appearance and it's Interesting that mm-hmm. it's the time they're set somewhat in the time period that they that is happening mm-hmm. now. It's not like from ages of old of the Bible. It's right. now, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, and I think they they even comment on it. They're like, yeah, they're making our jobs easier and easier, and like she True. likes 
modern warfare because mm-hmm. it's you press a button. It's more efficient. Yeah. And so <laughs> she likes guns and she likes mm-hmm. these kinds of things and yeah. Famine hangs out at McDonald's basically. Because it's entertaining for him. He's like, Yeah. Yeah. I can do my job. They do my job for me. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting that they've kind of almost been not on vacation necessarily, but they're more like in this position now where they just kind of sit back and watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, except pollution kind of takes on a little bit more of an active role. Yeah. Because he'll go look at a lake and then when he turns around and leaves, it's like got an oil slick on it. <laughs> yeah. And all the ducks are drowning. So yeah, he like, or when he walks away, like garbage follows him. Mm-hmm. So there's like a there's swirl, like litter and stuff that he like litter. Yeah, <laughs> but I I think that's I mean this book was written in 1990. I believe so. Is that right. Mm-hmm. So that's post Clean Air Act. It's post like so maybe that's a twist as well. Like maybe his heyday was back in the 70s when there was more pollution, and now so now he has to work a little bit harder mm-hmm. for it because we're a little more eco conscious now. Oh, yeah. Than we were. So I don't know. Maybe there's something there that like, oh, man, he probably really loved like the 60s and the 70s mm-hmm. when there was a lot more pollution and a lot True. more, you know, like pre-80s when we started to get worried about the hole in the ozone layer and all that kind of stuff. 80s, 90s. He probably had his heyday a little bit further back in history. Now he's got to work a little harder. Whereas war is probably like, dude. This is so much easier than it was Yeah, 200 years ago. <laughs> she still travels around and starts fights, mm-hmm. but she doesn't really have to do as much yeah. from my understanding. And she gets to literally be a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And so does Famine. Yes. Which I think is a really interesting look at the morality of fame. There's just so much packed into this book. I know, and it doesn't seem like it. It seems like if you're just reading along, it's like some fun, quirky little mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of deep book, but only if you go that extra step to look into it. Otherwise, you're like, oh, war, famine, pollution, Mm -hmm. or not pestilence, uh, death are hanging out. And you just kind of move on with it. But if you stop and you think about what they're really saying about Mm -hmm. famine runs a fast food chain and things like that, it's very interesting. Yeah. And it's like an onion with all the layers. (laughs) It is like an onion. So... Do we want to talk about Adam and his gang? Yeah, I was just the about them. to say the same thing. The them. So Adam is the actual Antichrist, even though they kind of lost him. He kind of got mixed up. Kind of. A little bit. Um, he ended up living with a normal family in like a, I don't know what London town it, or what Tadfield. British. Is it Tadfield? It's Lower Tadfield. Lower Tadfield. So he ends up living with this regular parents in his regular town with his regular friends and his regular dog and his regular dog (laughs) that dog just forever cracks me up his regular hellhound dog um but yeah his uh he ends up with this group of friends they're kind of they reminded me a little bit of like a stephen king novel like that sort of ragtag like group oh i thought about like the little rascals yeah a little bit like that but a darker version yeah they definitely had that group of like misfit kids kind of feel going on. Yeah. Like they're all a little bit different. I loved Pepper. I thought she of was course. hilarious. She's the girl of the group. Yeah. And she was always talking about oh, 
boys. They can't ever do anything right. And I was like, oh, she's starting early. But you, at the same time, I felt like, yeah, girl, we've all been there. <laughs> Still am there most days. Yeah. Like, just, just let me do it. Like, yeah, uh, she's just, you know. I can be in charge. Clearly, I should be the one in charge <laughs> because I know what's actually going on. I feel like she's the only one who really ever talks back to Adam either. Yeah, she stands up to him really well, even though he is the leader mm-hmm. of the group. And he happens to also be the Antichrist. Um, she definitely has a lot to say. She's like the right hand woman mm-hmm. who kind of keeps him in check a little bit, which is good because he needs it. <laughs> True. <laughs> but they're just off doing kid things, you know, being troublemaking 11 year olds. Yeah. Um, and they certainly are really fascinated by weird stuff. Like, just like 11-year-olds would be. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they end up loving aliens and, like, that that tabloid magazine is, like, their yeah. jam when they get it. Uh, so they, they felt very true to me, mm-hmm. to, like, 11-year-old kids. I feel yes. like they they felt real. And yeah, because they're trying to form logic for whether or not Atlantis existed. Mm-hmm. Well, then they would have to have, like, air tanks. and Well, maybe they're still in Atlantis. It's just, like, underwater now. They Like, they live in a fishbowl, but it's upside down. That sort of thing. It's, it's like that's such, a, that's such a little kid thing. Yeah. I think they were really well written for kids. Well, yeah, and when you're 11 years old and you're not, you're starting to understand that just because you imagine it one way doesn't mean that's how it is. Mm-hmm. So... They're, you can kind of even tell all of them are out like in that thing where they're like, should I believe what he's saying? Or like, <laughs> is that right? It's interesting. Yeah. They're very well written. Well, and they, it's, it's a cool twist because like any young preteen, they want to take control. They mm-hmm. want to like be in charge of shaping their own world. They don't necessarily want to listen to other people, especially grownups. Mm. Like everybody's dumb except for us. We are all powerful. We're awesome. We're a gang. And yet the twist is they actually have the Antichrist among them who really can shape mm-hmm. the world to the way that he wants it to be and really doesn't have to listen to anyone else because he has actual powers. Right. And I thought that was really fun that they took what any 11-year-old probably thinks. You're like, I'm the shit. I'm awesome. Mm -hmm. My group can kick all other groups' ass. And yet, this normal kid isn't normal. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so clever. Right. So not only are they talking about theoretical Atlantis and like, oh, what if it's still there? And what about aliens and all this? But then it actually starts happening. He's actually reshaping the world atlantis rises from the ocean and aliens visit earth (laughs) like all of this madness happens because they've been learning about it Mm -hmm. which is just so it's hilarious and it's really smart storytelling at the same time it is and that's the magic of this book to me yeah exactly and i like that crowley or crowley (laughs) and well crowley and aziraphale like start to see all these things are happening and they're like, okay, well he's active. We still just <laughs> yeah. don't know where the we hell just he gotta is. gotta find him. <laughs> like, and the hospital where they were born, which was run by satanic nuns, mm-hmm. it like burned down. So yeah. they don't, they the don't like, order. where are the records so that we can figure out where the mix up happened? Mm-hmm. Cause someone was obviously dumb and sent us to the wrong kid. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we don't, we don't have those anymore. <laughs> it's just, 
Uh, I, I liked that, that in a way they were mortal enough that they didn't just automatically know mm-hmm. everything and they they couldn't really sense where he was. And so they had to do some detective work yeah. to try and find him. They were like playing catch up because it was happening without them. <laughs> yeah. And they needed Agnes Nutter's book mm-hmm. to know where to go and who to look for. Because she, okay, let me say. <laughs> Love Agnes. How funny she was <laughs> because she was living during the 1600s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's during the height of the witch craze in like America and, and slightly earlier in Europe. She's a prophet who knows she's a prophet. Mm-hmm. She's like, I know that I actually am a prophet, but I also know no one is ever going to believe me. She right. has like this Cassandra-ness about her. Oh, yeah, she's very knowing that she knows and doesn't know. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, okay, I know that I need to write all of this down. She knows she has to write it down. Even though she doesn't know what it means. Yeah. She knows it's going to be important. She knows she has to write it down. She knows it didn't come from her. She's like, I know X, Y, and Z. So then she just has to figure out a way to make it happen. She's like, okay, I'm going to publish this book, not because I think anybody's ever going to read it or ever going to want to buy it, but because I need a copy so that I can hold on to it for my descendants Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's when it's going to be important. She's just a freaking genius. I loved her death. Yes. <laughs> because I know that sounds really creepy if you no, read the book. No, it's awesome. It made me laugh. I laughed so hard <laughs> because I was like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. You show those stupid. <laughs> yeah. So when the guy shows up to be like, we're going to burn you at the stake now. And she's like an old lady, but she's like kind of crouching down. She's like. <laughs> Got her little walking stick, and he's like, oh, she's like a little old lady, and that's why. No, it's because she's actually toting like 80 pounds of gunpowder and shrapnel under her dress, so that when they light her on fire, the whole town will blow mm-hmm. up, and she'll- Everyone who came to witness and revel in like the justice of her death, dead. That was awesome. It was fabulous. Because she knew that they were going to do that mm-hmm. to her, and she even said, you're 10 minutes late. Yeah. <laughs> What a way to flip the persecution of women at that time Mm -hmm. to be like, aha, she's smarter than everybody else. Yeah. I got a kick out of that, that she like blew up the whole town and like killed everybody who had persecuted her. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. And yet she still managed to have an heir. Oh, yeah. Who centuries later saves everyone and has the book, like held on to the book and, Mm -hmm. and has read the book. And I mean, that's awesome i thought it was funny that like anathema says well the book never sold very well because <laughs> she was always right that's true it's not like nostradamus yeah. <laughs> where it's like oh it's so interesting and mysterious like nope <laughs> it just yeah. she tried to sell it and it didn't really work and because <laughs> people don't want to know right you know she knew that nobody was going to actually want to know because mm-hmm. humans it's like they understood something about human nature that your average person is uncomfortable with, but they're like, yeah, I know this is the case. It's the world we have to live in. So you make it work right? for how you have to make it work. And it's, we're talking about a a family of really strong female characters, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. I really like that. That even though the book was written by men, main characters are all male, quote unquote. (laughs) Kind of. Well, I I like that. It's, it's kind of, again, like the supernatural thing where it's like, it's just the vessel they're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're sort of, they don't they're really like, have a gender. They're really like, more like a cloud of celestial intent. Mm-hmm. But then 
so that you and I could see them, they either pick a body or they create a body. Mm-hmm. I think these guys create their body. I think so, yeah. Because that's how Crowley ended up with like the snakiness. He like couldn't hide at all. Yeah. <laughs> but he tried. He tried. <laughs> and Aziraphale is just like this uptight. <laughs> like, Almost like a, a person you would expect to run a bookstore. Yeah, like this <laughs> quiet little librarian dude. I imagine him with a bow tie. Yeah. Like like your tax man. Yeah. But nerdy. Your holy tax accountant. <laughs> yes. That's who I imagine him to be. And um, I like that in the book they even say a lot of people think Aziraphale's gay. <laughs> and but he's he, not. And he's, he's just, just kind of like, I don't really yeah. think about it or anything. He's like, I just really like this tie or like whatever. Because <laughs> he doesn't have that that part of humanity. Right. Is not. I mean, as much as he's taken on some human traits, yeah, that's not a factor in the equation. Well, and I think... Unlike his counterpart from That's Supernatural, mm-hmm. he doesn't really ever talk to people or interact with people unless he has yeah. to. Castiel will talk to people and whatever, but... <laughs> and make it super awkward. Make it awkward. But Aziraphale's like, I don't really want to talk to people yeah. unless it's like, oh, we hit this lady with the car. We should probably fix her mm-hmm. bike. He still has a goodness about mm-hmm. him and he still knows that he's supposed to help and represent goodness. Yeah. And, you know, it's God's special creation. I think he's, humans. he's just like this introvert and he just wants to go like <laughs> hang out with his books and be alone. <laughs> Read books, listen to music, enjoy yes. things that other people have made without needing to be around the people themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I kind of get the same feeling from Crowley. He just doesn't really want to interact with people. In fact, most of the beings that he interacts with are not people. No, they're other demons, the mm-hmm. occasional angel. When he has to, and mostly Aziraphale. Is that yeah. right? Did I say it right? Yeah, Aziraphale. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and, I mean, he talks a little bit to Anathema. Mm-hmm. But, I, but out of necessity that, almost, yeah. like, like, you're here, so I got to talk to you. I did enjoy his escape from the other demons. Mm-hmm. So when they find out that he lost the Antichrist, <laughs> the other demons are a little upset. And so they come hunting Crowley, and one of them, Haster, jumps into the phone line. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a really interesting little chase where they're like these two little electrical pulses <laughs> that are chasing each other. And Crowley finds finds a way to he jumps out through the like the answering machine, mm-hmm. and then he hangs up the phone <laughs> so the other demon can't. It's like trapped, like can't get out, and he's like stuck in a Zerophil's voicemail. <laughs> It's like, the demonic voicemail. <laughs> yeah, for like a half an hour. And then he like somehow he gets out through like a call center. Of course. And like the entire, all the people at the call center are like eaten by maggots. And then he, <laughs> it's just like, oh, that was very creative and interesting and demonic. And it yeah. like, it's funny, but it's also like, oh God, scary. Mm-hmm. And it's something you would definitely see on the news or like see in the newspaper and be mm-hmm. like, something wacky is going on. Like it has that that feeling of like the apocalypse really like, oh my god stuff's blowing up and going crazy everywhere like whole towns of people dead and like whole things are aliens mm-hmm. and fish people and it's just madness yeah and yet they give you these little moments of like this is why that happened yeah <laughs> or yeah the the rain of fish on the freeway <laughs> in london and everybody's like is that a swordfish and, and this they're talking to this truck driver 
And it w- wasn't it like a, a swordfish or something fell out of the sky and he tried to like drive around it and cause like this big accident. Everybody's like, so you were trying to avoid a swordfish, huh? And he's like, yes. And he but points no, at really, it. It's right and they're like, what the fuck? And then all these lobsters and everything. Started, and there's like an octopus and... I got a kick out of that. It's really funny, like in a very messed up way. Yeah. (laughs) It's really, really funny. Right up to their devil. They're like Beelzebub, who is the most ridiculous, like foolish, exactly like the devil of the old folk tales Mm -hmm. where like he's evil and so scary and blah, blah. Like his voice sounds like, what did they say? He's got a lot of Z's. Yeah, like his his voice sounds like his name or something like that. He's this like really intimidating character and yet he can be tricked by an 11-year-old. Well, who can't, you know? So, I mean, I... 11-year-olds are clever. (laughs) If I've learned anything from Harry Potter. It's true. 11-year-olds are clever. (laughs) He's very fallible that way. And like, that's how the story gets buttoned up. Because I was getting towards the end. And I was like, oh man, what? Like, is the world going to end? At I was the end a little worried. Book? I was, I was like, a little worried. How are we going to wrap this up? <laughs> well, and I was especially worried because the way the book is set up, you feel like Crowley and Aziraphale are going to be the heroes. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of the book, you're really worried because <laughs> not only have they not showed up to the fight yet. It's true. But neither has like anathema, mm-hmm. and she's like the only other one that's like might be some kind of hero to you know, like swoop in and save the day. And it's like, oh, Aziraphale's trapped in this old lady's body, <laughs> and he's like on a scooter that goes five miles an hour, and, and she's a psychic, and she's a psychic, and like, like a con woman psychic, <laughs> yeah. And he, like he's got like this crazy military guy with him. It's and, ridiculous. And you're just like, he's not gonna make it. And Crowley's car like <laughs> fell apart. And he's, like, holding it together with his imagination. Mm-hmm. And he's basically driving a fireball. And he, like, stops and asks for directions. And this guy at the toll booth is like, you are not going to believe what I just saw. This guy with snake eyes rolled up in a f- ball of fire. Yeah, riding and, a ball of fire. And was like, hey, do you know where Lower Tadfield is? I really need to get there. Yes, it's about the fish. Like, Yeah. I, I especially like things like that where they don't even know where to go sometimes mm-hmm. and they just have to interact with people and be like, I don't know where I'm at. Uh, ignore the car or lack thereof. They don't have Google Maps. It was 1990. Yeah. There's no time to map quest that shit. There's I thought that this. was so funny. But anyway, they finally do show up. And then I did like at the end when Beelzebub goes back downstairs and he's like, your dad is not going to like this. Mm-hmm. And the ground starts to rumble and all these things. And you think that the devil's going to show up. I thought it was going to end like Cabin in the Woods style. Yeah, because Aziraphale and Crowley are like, well, <laughs> like, we wait, it's not fair because we averted the apocalypse. And mm-hmm. now Satan's going to come up, come up and kill everybody anyway. That's not the rules. That's not how it was written. And they're both actually ready to fight. And you mm-hmm. can kind of tell. And Crowley even is like, well... I guess I technically am a good guy. Yeah. he. I think he had a little moment mm-hmm. of realization like, oh, man, I don't want the bad guys to win. Like, if the bad guys win, everything sucks. Yeah. He wants to kind of go back to the way it was as much as he was supposed to be there and, like, influence it for mm-hmm. evil and, like, make the apocalypse go their way. Now here the apocalypse is seemingly going their way and he doesn't like it. Yeah. Exactly. And I like that Aziraphale goes and he gets his fiery sword again, mm-hmm. which has war trapped in it. 
I think so. I think. Because yeah. the them had trapped the horseman, which was also very clever. Mm-hmm. More 11 year olds being year olds super clever. Trapping horse people. In their like symbols or mm-hmm. right because it, it all had pollution to do with the is in the crown mm-hmm. and then war is in the sword and f- I don't famine was like in a in a oh I don't recall something oh the scales wasn't he in yes. the scales mm-hmm. um, which I didn't understand but okay I think they're biblical symbols maybe? I am not sure but I think I think it's about um, temperance in uh, that case. I, I think like not like a golden mean kind of Aristotelian oh, okay. sort of thing. It's very sure. philosophical. I think that's from the Bible. Yeah, I didn't like they it. carry that <laughs> symbol. Like war shows up carrying a sword, and like oh. famine shows up carry. Like when they introduce them in the Book of Revelation, I'm pretty sure they each carry that symbol with them. Yeah, I did not. It's been a long time since I didn't I've, get that far. Yeah, I just know Adam and Eve were in there, but, right? Um, <laughs> yeah terrible catholic um but i also did get a kick out of crowley's version of evil since we're talking about that (laughs) his was like mild inconvenience yeah that that just pisses you off like he's the guy who invented like the the m5 in london that's always got a traffic jam and he's like yes like yes that's evil it's a little bit of like sart like mm-hmm. that hell is just like the most frustrating, worst moment of your life just over and over and over again. And you're trapped with people that you cannot stand. Yeah. Because it's just meant to frustrate the crap out of mm-hmm. you for your entire existence. Yeah. I got a kick out of that, that he was like basically the inventor of the traffic jam. Mm-hmm. And he got a commendation for it. Because <laughs> it's genius. Yeah. And I like that when the other demons come up, they're like, oh, well, I tempted a priest. What did you do? And oh, I I made this guy doubt that he loves his wife and things like that. And what did you do, Crowley? And he's like, I turned off the phone lines for five minutes. And they're like, what <laughs> And the everybody fuck? just flipped their shit. Yeah. And he's like, everybody in London was mildly irritated <laughs> for five minutes. And it's just like... Yep. That is evil. Yeah. And on the grand scale of things, he affected a lot more people. Well, and I think he says something like, it doesn't seem outright evil, Mm -hmm. but now I've planted this seed of irritation in thousands Mm -hmm. of people who are now going to go maybe be a little bit rude to the teller at the bank. And they like spread it. And it spreads Mm -hmm. slowly but surely. And then like the anger builds and builds and it becomes evil. And he's like, I don't, and he's like, I affected way more people than mm-hmm. you with just the one priest. Yep. So. Yeah, you turned one good person really evil, but like he can turn thousands of people a day mm-hmm. in the case of the freeway situation. Yeah. You know, you piss people off, they go to work pissed off, they do something stupid, they get fired. Now they take that pissed off, mm-hmm. fired feeling back to their house and like mess with their family. And now the kids go to school and are mean to other kids because, and it just grows and grows and grows. It's kind of genius. It is. I will give it to Crowley. He's a very good demon. Mm-hmm. With not so much effort. Yeah. You know, like and he, he is does, about minimal effort. Mm-hmm. He sets the wheels in motion and then he just lets it happen. It's kind of genius. Yeah. I I thought that was funny because it's like, yeah, that would be the, the way to be a demon. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, traffic jams and inconvenient <laughs> phone calls instead of tempting priests and mm-hmm. everything. But it's too obvious. That's too obvious. It is. How old school. <laughs> so was there anything else in the book that 
you wanted to discuss or that jumped out at you? Or? Well, if we want to put a little button on the end. We do. At the end, spoiler, 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 if you haven't gotten to the end, um, the way that Adam tricks the devil is he turns, like, you know, Beelzebub is there saying, your dad is coming, your dad is coming, meaning the devil. Mm-hmm. But Adam flips it and his human dad shows up. Yeah. <laughs> you seen Adam Young? He is in deep trouble. Hilarious. Because it takes it right back to that, like, human 11-year-old is in trouble. Not because he almost ended the world. Not because he's homely. Yeah, not because aliens have invaded the planet. Not because, like, fire and brimstone is raining all over. But because he didn't show up at home on time. And I have to say, I did love that about how they ended the book, that because you do wonder, well, okay, well, the the fight, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is over, but now they have to talk to Adam and say, are you good or are you bad? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm nothing. I'm a person. Yeah. He's so deep. And I, I was very impressed, but <laughs> I, also, so deep. I also get it because he has everything in his head. Mm-hmm. And in, when, um, I think it's Anathema says like, well, you could put all the whales back in the ocean. He's like, well, people are just going to kill him again. And he's like, if you don't understand you killing something is bad. Like what yeah. he's like, basically anything I do is either, I think he likened it to cleaning up other people's bedrooms. Mm-hmm. He's like, if I clean it for you, then you don't learn the lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if he said something in motion, if there's going to be bad that comes of it, it's going to happen whether yeah. he does it or not. Like, you know, if you don't put the whales back in the ocean, people who want to kill stuff are just going to find something else to kill. Right. Yeah. So it's like, why? mess with it just let it be what it's going to be because maybe people will learn something from it maybe they won't but maybe they will yeah and i liked that that he was kind of like i don't want to have anything to do with this he just wants to be a kid he's like i just want to be a kid let him go be a kid and i like that he said well i don't want you to destroy the world when he's talking to the horse people he's like i don't want you to destroy the world because i'm young and i don't Mm -hmm. i don't know the world yet he's like it could be good or it could be bad and i don't know whatever and he's like i haven't wasn't like i haven't even been to america yet and i haven't had like (laughs) chinese food and all these things and i thought that was interesting because that would be how you look at it as a kid yeah but a really smart kid yeah like a really deep Mm -hmm. kid who definitely taught everyone else a lesson oh yeah for sure like here you have these big cosmic powers and everything and this little kid is like well yeah and i know what's up and the angel (laughs) and the demon who are standing there are just like dumbfounded and they're like wait (laughs) You're, you just want to be a human? Mm-hmm. And he gives up all the power that he has. And he's like, no, I just, just, just want to go back home. Yeah, my dad's on his way. <laughs> I want to hang out with my friends. And like, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I thought it was a great way to end the book. Mm-hmm. And then doesn't everybody's mind get wiped? Yeah. So they don't even remember <laughs> all the madness that happens. Yeah. So it like resets everything. Mm-hmm. Are we back on the same track? Is Adam going to end up being like in parliament? <laughs> oh, right. I have so many questions. I want like the follow-up book to what happens to him as he grows well, up. Well, we can't have it because Terry know. Pratchett's passed away. Yes. I know. But we do get yes! a show. Good point. A miniseries. Miniseries. Yes. That was the term I was looking for. Yeah, because it's going to be limited. They're not going to go outside the story from what I understand. Right. It's just going to be the story. Right. So, 
I know we didn't th- discuss this before this episode, so I might be throwing you a curveball. Oh, here. no. Are you going to ask me who I would cast? Yeah. I have no idea. Because <laughs> I keep picturing Thomas Lennon as Xerophil. Oh, my gosh. That would be really cute. Bow tie and all. Yeah. And like some Doesn't little round just, glasses. Like with like a little British accent. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> that would be a Xerophil. Okay. That's really cute. Yeah. Um. And then Crowley would be Mark Shepard because that's just because <laughs> he might as well. It's just you know, like how it should be. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. No, I think it would. I, I, I posted on our Twitter. I think it was the Nerdist did a fan cast, mm-hmm. and they had. I thought it was really cool. They had a very diverse cast. Yeah, like, I think Stephen Yun. I mm-hmm. can never say Yun. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going to be Famine. Yeah, I think so. I think. And I was like, that's a good... Which is, yeah, that's a that's really a cool good choice. casting choice. And I feel like, um, oh gosh, what's her name? The girl from Scandal. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't watch that I'll show. Have to, I'll, I'll find the link again, but I don't watch it either. But I, I know her as the girl from Fantastic Four who ended up with the thing. Oh, yeah. She's blind. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what her name is. Yeah, I but, don't know her name. Um, but yeah. She was, I think they picked her for Anathema. For, oh, yeah? I, I think. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. I could see that. For some reason, I picture like Anne Hathaway as War. I don't know why, but I feel like that would be really funny. <laughs> I imagined War to look like kind of like Abaddon. Oh, yeah, like taller. Well, like with the red hair. Like really red like hair. Just yeah. Crazy scariness. So Elena Huffman. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It was. Uh, I think it's pretty really cool. Pick, so I'm looking forward to it, and I know Neil Gaiman's really excited, mm-hmm. which makes me excited. So, yeah. but I don't think they've actually cast anybody yet. Not that I've heard. I if they have cast people, they're keeping it real quiet. Well, I think right now they're they're focusing more on American gods. Sure. I feel like somebody was just like, you know, we should just take all of Neil Gaiman's stuff. <laughs> it's about damn time. That's what I have to say to that because I loved Stardust. His stuff, yeah, his stuff is so cinematic. It's so like theatrical. I love his writing. It's great. It's beautiful. It's about damn time that they made some of his stuff. I'm mm-hmm. super excited for American Gods. I think it's going to be fabulous. I have to read that book first. It looks pretty gory, but yeah, I haven't read the book. Um, I have not read the book. I've read Stardust and I've read. The Graveyard Book. Mm, and he did something else, too. Didn't he do... Was it Coraline? <laughs> yes, he did Coraline. I've yeah. seen the movie. I haven't read that book. And maybe one or... A couple other things um, that I feel like I've read. But... And he just very, came out with Norse... Yeah, Norse... The North, Norse mythology book or yeah, whatever it is. The yeah. one with the hammer on the cover. Yeah. And I'm excited to read that. Oh, so. and he did The Sandman, too. Sandman. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So he's a very, I mean, he has quite a lot of projects in the works mm. right now, which is cool. Yeah. Because I'd love to see more from him. Um, American Gods is going to come first, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's already cast and like it's in development. It's yeah, they've got, got like, the previews out mm-hmm. and that's going to be a mini series as well. Right? Yeah. Okay. I feel like it's not like his books are not or his materials, his writings are not really meant to be long running things. No. They're I feel like, like he tells slice. capsule yeah, stories. Yeah, like it's a slice and then it's over. Like mm-hmm. it has an end and you can't really just be like, screw the end. We're just going to keep going with the story. That doesn't work. Like Stardust. Yeah. The same thing. Mm-hmm. It needs to have like a beginning, a middle and an end. Mm-hmm. But 
I love a miniseries because then it's over and you're like, yes, now I've watched the whole thing. But it's got more detail than a movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. I think Good Omens. And I think Good Good Omens will be on Stars. Stars, yeah. But I think American Gods is on Showtime. Oh, yeah. No, it might be Amazon Prime. You're probably right. Yeah. I I think that's going to be an Amazon original. I should probably figure that out before <laughs> I go telling people the wrong thing here. There's things going on. Everything Neil is really Gaiman's Good Omens is coming to Amazon. Uh, so Good Omens is going to be on Amazon. As a miniseries. And according to VarietyMagazine.com. Oh, and American Gods is stars. Yeah. So we okay. had it flipped. So we had it backwards. Yeah. Sorry. Too many things coming so, out from the so same So many people. things. Yeah, I'm sure he's happy. Oh, yeah. I mean, to get your work to jump formats like that. Like in a good way to, mm. to maintain some creative control and be like, no, y'all are not just going to go crazy. You know, like I am here. Hi, I'm these here. Are my, I'm my the one children. that created this. Yeah. yeah. These are my so darlings. Like, yeah. Listen to me and let me have a hand in transforming this from like what's in my head onto a screen. Mm. I think is really cool. I agree. I'm excited for that. I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else we want to discuss about this book really quickly? I think... I think I'm good right now. Okay. There's how so many, much. How many fiery swords would you give it? I would give it four and a half fiery swords out of five because oh. I wish there was more. I Yeah. Okay. That's all. I, I want like more stories and I want like more of it. I want more from this universe. I could see that. I agree. Four and a half fi- fiery swords. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I really read liked it. it though. Read it. It's worth the read. It will crack you up slash kind of disturb you. Yeah. Which I Which think I, is great. I like, it, that, I like that feeling. It <laughs> yeah. was good. Um, okay. So next week we're going to talk about things that traumatize us as children. Yes. It's going to be our therapy week. Yeah. So <laughs> when we say that, we mean like, for example, I was terrified of the Phantom of the Opera. Mm-mm. Yeah. Things like that. Or like characters or stories that just like really got into mm-hmm. you and like creeped you out. stick with you and you remember them and you have nightmares about them later. Yeah. So if you have any childhood trauma. <laughs> childhood trauma. Nerd Of the pop nightmares. culture variety. <laughs> nerd nightmares you'd like to send us. Please do that on Twitter. Ladies mm-hmm. Nerditude. Hashtag nerd nightmares. I like it. And... <laughs> <laughs> We'll discuss that next week. Yeah. So get ready to be scared. Yeah. Until then, go read Good Omens. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye.